0: God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, but the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual Judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. But who hath known the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him, we have the mind of Christ. Welcome to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. We who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Uh, You remember that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth by words now spoken and written in the Bible, the Word of God. Our study continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you, good day, friends. We come to you again with studies in the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthian Church. In these first four chapters, we're dealing with the wisdom of God in contrast to the wisdom of men. And we have already gone down through the line in the first two chapters, at least pretty well through the two chapters, the first two chapters, uh, where we reve- where we see that God's purpose was that he should be glorified, and to be glorified he chose the weak things of the world, things that are nothing to confound the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Then Paul goes on to say, but we are of God, and we're in Christ Jesus, and in the wisdom of God he he has been made unto us righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And then Paul spoke of the fact in the first five verses of chapter 2 that He did not come to them with words of man's wisdom, but he came in the demonstration and power of the Spirit of God that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Then he goes on to speak of the fact that the wisdom of God is only known by the Spirit of God and they to whom the Spirit of God reveals him. The Spirit of God is the searcher the hearts, but he's also the revealer of Christ and of God, and he is the one who imparts the things of God. In verses 7 to 9 and and also verse 14 of chapter 2, we found that uh, something that man doesn't like, that he's ignorant. Man cannot by searching find out God, as Job chapter 11 declares. Indeed, man manifested his ignorance of God by crucifying the Son of God. And they crucified the Lord of glory. You remember as verse 8 said, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They did it in ignorance. They manifested their ignorance of God by crucifying God's Son. By the way, our Lord spoke of that in John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. Uh, Indeed, they crucified him, they killed him because they were ignorant of God and they will persecute the believer in Christ because of their ignorance of the Father and of the Son. Then he goes on to speak of the fact that the things of God are unknown to the senses of man. We had that in verse 9. But God's wisdom is revealed and is imparted by the Spirit, even the deep things of God. I'd like to read those verses. God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, but the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let me just stop here for a moment. What Paul is saying, we have received the Spirit of God. You remember our Lord in John chapter 7, Shouted out. He made a proclamation. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If he is thirsty for real spiritual realities, Jesus says, come unto me. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, Which they that believe on him should receive. The Spirit was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. Now that he has been glorified, is at the right hand of God. He indwells every every believer by the Spirit of God. That's what you have, you remember, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Where you have the Spirit of God indwelling, the believer. In fact, he goes on to say in that same verse, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This marks the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. The Christian, the Spirit of God, indwells him because of his relationship to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If I have spurned the Savior, if I have not received him as my own personal Savior, then... I do not have the Spirit of God. It's just that simple. And then there, the, then Paul goes on and makes a contrast with three different kinds of people. Let me read the, the three verses that I want. In verse 14 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned." That's one man. Verse 15, "...but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man." Chapter 3, the first verse, "...and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ." Now, you'll notice in verse 14 you have the natural man. In verse 15 you have the spiritual man, chapter three, the first verse we have, the carnal man. In fact, four times and four verses in chapter three. Paul says to these, Corinthian church, these Corinthian believers, you're carnal, you're carnal. I'd like just for a few moments to just contrast these three different people. the first one, oh I must say this before I take it up. each one classifies himself, according to his attitude to the Word of God. In other words, your attitude to the Word of God will determine what you are. For example, the natural man rejects the Word of God. The spiritual man feeds on the Word of God. The carnal Christian neglects the Word of God. That's very simple, isn't it? Let's look at these three for a moment. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they have foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man is the unsaved man. He's the unregenerate man. He rejects the word of God. He's the man out of Christ. He has no desire, no love for God. doesn't want God. In fact, I would say how often I've had Nancy to me, shut up, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about your Christ. And sometimes they use language that I'm not going to use. And sometimes they tell me to go to some place I'm not going to. I'm not going to go. The natural man, you remember in chapter 118, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. To so a great many people The idea of being redeemed from sin, having eternal life through relationship with one who was crucified 1,900 years ago, to them it's Tommy Rot. Foolishness. Yes, that's what the book says. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. To the wise man, it's foolish. To the Jew, it's a stumbling block. To the Greek's foolishness unto us who are saved, with Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. We had that in the first chapter. And I don't mind repeating these things. I want to get, you to get the truths just right down into your own heart. Now, the natural man rejects the Word of God, doesn't want it. Got no time for God, no room for God, no thought for God. And I might say in that condition, it's impossible for him to know God. God only reveals himself to open hearts. And if you mean business and really want to know God, he will do the revealing. He'll come to you. No question about that. He'll do that. Romans chapter 3, 10 10 to 12. You remember, this is the unsaved man. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They've all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none to do with good, no, not one. There's no fear of God before their eyes. In Jeremiah 13, 23, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard change his spots? Neither can you that are accustomed to do evil, do good. Job 14, 4 says, Can you bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? See, this is the man who's estranged from God, has no relationship with God, And if I'm talking to you, my friend, and you have never accepted the Savior, this is your position. This is where you are. Thank God he has made provision for you to experience his mercy, for his mercy is for all. Christ died that you might not die. Christ died to put away your sin, that you might be set free. Provision has been made for you to pass from death to life. But in this 14th verse, he's talking then about the the unsaved man. You see the works of the flesh. The fleshly mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Then he goes on to say, But you are not in the flesh. Speaking of Christians now. You are not in the flesh, but of the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So that's the unsaved man. The preaching of the cross is to him foolishness. Doesn't have any time. He doesn't have any time or room or thought for God in his life. Gets up in the morning, goes through the whole day, goes to bed at night. That's his life. No thought, no room for God. And one of these days, he's got to give an account of himself to God, the one he rejects, the one that he refuses to have in his own heart and in his own mind. Now in verse 15 and 16, we have the spiritual man. Let me read it to you. But he that is spiritual discerneth all things, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. He is a spiritual man. Now, the spiritual man feeds on the word of God. That's where he gets his life. He grows in the things of God. He grows in the knowledge of God. Not only a mental grasp of the truth, but where the truth gets a hold of him, where the truth lives. You see, the spiritual man gives the Lord his rightful place in his life. Self-will is cast out, and the will of God is the important thing. You know, that's what Paul could say in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. You have in Philippians chapter 3, I count all things but loss that I might know him. Jesus Christ, that I might be found in him righteous. I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his service. You see, I'm going to forget the things that are behind and reach out, stretch out for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is the spiritual man. He feeds on the word of God. He examines the word of God. He proves all things by the word of God spiritual man is able to discern truth from error. He compares Scripture with Scripture. He doesn't go off the deep end. He compares Scripture with Scripture. Uh, I just pray that God will cause you and me to increase in our hunger for the Word of God and then pray that the Lord will increase our capacity for truth. This is the only way we can come to be spiritual men, spiritual women, we stay in the Word of God. Now, one could say much about this. But I would say the spiritual man is the one who is walking in fellowship with God, becomes mature. He lives for Christ. Nothing else is worth anything. You know, there's a passage just come into my mind from Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul Pleads with us to walk in wisdom. Then he gives us four aspects of a wise Christian. And it's apropos here, I'm sure. A wise Christian is one who feeds on the Word of God. And then he goes on to say he walks carefully. We're living in a world of pitfalls, opposition, subtleties. And it just seems as if the enemy of our souls is becoming more and more subtle. We don't have that uh, open opposition that the church used to have years ago when people suffered for the gospel's sake. And by the way, may I just say here that I think America and Canada are about the only two Christian countries in the world where we've never suffered for the gospel's sake. I'm talking about real persecution, martyrdom. we become soft along many, many lines, but Satan is more subtle too. So I've got to walk carefully. Then I'm to redeem the time because the days are evil by every opportunity of knowing the word of God, by every opportunity of knowing the Savior and the wonders of his love and grace. And then the wise Christian understands the will of the Lord. And how in the world can we understand the will of the Lord unless we stay in the Word of God where it's been revealed? God will not reveal anything that's contrary to the Word of God. You just can't pull it out of the air. And then the fourth thing about a wise Christian is that he's spirit-filled. Walk in the spirit. Be not drunk with wine where in his excess, but be filled with the spirit, followed by thanksgiving and worship. I just suggest that for your thinking sometime. I'll repeat them. The wise Christian, and I could say the spiritual man, spiritual woman, he's going to walk carefully in a world of pitfalls. He's going to redeem the time. He's going to buy up every opportunity of knowing the things of God. He's going to understand the will of the Lord for his life. He's not going to run off sixes and sevens. He's going to be in that place. Perfect peace knowing he's in the mind. He has the mind of God. He's going to walk in the will of God. The wise Christian is filled with the spirit of God. That's what God wants with all of us. That's a spiritual man. He's able to discern all things. Yet he himself is not judged of any man. Who could judge him except the Lord? Man of the world can't judge a Christian as to whether he's spiritual or not. Only God can do that. Now we come to the third one, the carnal man. The carnal man is found here in the first four verses of chapter 3, and I'm going to read them. The carnal man is the Christian who neglects the word of God. Did you hear what I said? You can make all the boasts you want to, but if you're neglecting the Word of God, you're not feeding on the Word of God, you become carnal. And these are Christians. There's no question about that because in the first chapter he said to these same Corinthians that you came behind in no gift. you had all the gifts of the Spirit. You are enriched in all utterance, in all knowledge but they were carnal. There's no growth. Let me read the verses. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for you are yet carnal." Whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? While one saith, I am of Paul, another one says, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Four times in four verses, he mentions the fact, are you carnal. Now, this is the person who is immature, just like a babe, went for the time they ought to be teachers. And I quote from Hebrews. Chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. When for the time you ought to be teachers, you've been Christians for so long, and when for the time you should be teachers of the Word of God, I've got to give to you again the first principles of the oracles of God. He goes on to say, I'd like to give you a good uh, thick T bone steak, but I can't do it. I've got to feed you on milk. In the first epistle of John, chapter 2, from verses 12 to the end of the chapter, you have three kinds of people in the family of God. You've got the fathers, the young men, and the babies. Fathers is no instruction on doctrine or walk to the fathers. In verses 12 and 14, you find this. Young men are those in whom the word of God is abiding and they've overcome the wicked one, but they've got a new enemy, the world. So he says to them, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. And starting in at verse 18, you have, 18 or 19, you have this question of, uh, and now little children, little babies, inexperienced ones, the word there is Pideon, the ones who are inexperienced. And to the babes in Christ, He just upholds the incarnate word of God, be occupied with him. But there are those who have been Christians for years and they've never grown. They've never grown. You know, they have to be, they have to be spoon fed. They they can't dig anything out of the Bible for themselves. They read it and get nothing out of it. Their mind is on something else. They've got to be spoon-fed. My friend, are you a spoon-fed Christian? And I'm going to close with this. I'll finish it in our next lesson, but I do want to get to your heart. Many, many believers, bless their hearts, they've been going to church for years and they're not able yet to feed themselves. They can't sit down with a Bible Bible And have the Spirit of God reveal wonderful, wonderful truth to them. Oh, I just pray, and will you pray, that each one of us, we may have a real hunger for the Word of God, pray that God will increase our capacity for truth, and may the truth live in you and in me. Now, may the Lord bless you today for His wonderful, wonderful namesake. darkness jesus found me touched my eyes and made me see broke sin's chains that long had bound me brought me life and liberty the glorious love of christ my lord divine what made him stoop to save a soul like mine?